Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Like, oh, oh. It's a picture of you like halfway through eating a biscuit. 
there's the bastard. He took it into a chocolate hobnob. Taser him. Yeah, it's suddenly there's a picture of you biting a hobnob, and then the camera pans to the left, and you're stood there eating a hobnob in real life. Damn it, he what? got in. Me interviewing Tony Carmel eating a biscuit, being like, "Sorry, Tony, I've got to finish this delicious biscuit." <laughs> Hopefully, security won't rush me. <laughs> Just get speared to the ground. Talking oh. of interviews. Yeah, so it'll be live on the channel now. Got to hang out with Jeff Jarrett for a bit. The fucking Catalina wine mixer. <laughs> the Catalina wine mixer of pro wrestling interviews, as you called him. What a good sport. What a he's, guy. He's great. He's the best. He's the best. He was I'm, 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 I'm glad that everyone's kind of come around to it now, that enough times come between his reign of terror and TNA and his... Um, pushing WCW, everyone's just going, hang on, we've been giving Jeff Jarrett shit for all these years and he's boss. It's so, true. Yeah. And, and like, you can listen to the interview, I ask him about like his sudden rise uh, to, to prominence once again in 2023 mm. and whether it caught him by surprise. We also talk about simply irresistible Jeff Jarrett <laughs> from, from back in the Memphis days. Simply irresistible. <laughs> Ask him about like the inspiration behind the stripper gear that he wore in the nineties. I mean, as much as I love Jeff Jarrett, that that's a terrible look, isn't it? It's not. A, it's, it's not. It's 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 a look. Maybe not the look, but mm. uh, and we and we drank tea together. And there is a wonderful photo that now exists of myself and Jeff Jarrett clinking our teacups together. And uh, that's all I'll ever need in life now. It's, yeah. And so. This is the for you listening out there. This is not pre-rehearsed. I haven't spoken to Tom since this happened. No, we this literally is, come this, on and press record. So I thought I'm going to so, save all the good dust for. So this was for the channel because you just put a message in the chat the other day saying interviewing Jeff Jarrett in London in a few days, and everyone just went, "Oh, Jeff Jarrett!" And I didn't actually say, "Hang on, why?" <laughs> <laughs> Wembley, isn't it? Yeah. AW kind of like us interviewing people, which is nice. That's. It's a step in the right direction because for a few years it was a bit touch and go. Well, yeah, it was. Yeah, I wish you had got your bum out that time at AEW Double or Nothing. Who would have sped things up? Can't, can't, can't help the fact that I needed to let the boys free. <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned this um, on the month in review. Thank you for your letter, by the way. It was read out uh, with gusto. Um, but I'll mention it again here. So we had afternoon. We had an afternoon tea thing with Jeff Jarrett so we brought him afternoon tea so we had mm. uh, cakes and biscuits but I had to nip out and go and buy the, the food for the afternoon tea so I left the building it was live at the the uh, live nation building in London and I left to get the food and then when I came back in bloody on the reception getting checked in Tom it's yourself bloody great <laughs> oh mate what are you doing here oh Oh, I just come. I'm, I'm here just doing something on talk sport with Jeff. I was like, oh, fantastic. Uh, he said, oh, just, uh, I'm promoting something and we're promoting AEW All In. And then, like, they leave. They literally have to go, right, we, we have our interview. And they go, right, we've got to go straight to talk sport now. All right, have a nice time, guys. See you in a bit. Anyway, 20 minutes later, Jeff Jarrett's twatting him with a guitar. <laughs> I'm worried it might, I'm worried I annoyed Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> yeah. I'm worried that I, I'm worried that our interview wound him up so much that he took it out on Grado. I mean, Grado's an affable chap as well, Tom. Not that you aren't, but Grado especially with the bum bag and oh. just his happy-go-lucky nature. I could. I was so happy to see him. That was such a joy. He's a lovely man, is Grado. 
And he oh. just sat and had a coffee with us for a bit, and we just we just talked utter shite until they said, "Oh, do you come have a chat with Jeff?" Like, yeah, why not? What a strange day. <laughs> was that on Monday? Was it? That was Monday. That was Monday, the July thirty first. So yeah, we're a few weeks ahead on the podcast. So that's so it happened a while ago. But you can watch it now on the on the YouTube you can. channel. You can go oh, watch lovely. it now. What a lovely man. It. But anyway, we have to rewind <laughs> the clock back. Oh, I must say this before we get started. Before I came downstairs now to speak to you. Uh, the I miss you today more than usual, Jackie Orlando, who is now ensconced uh, in his home of Liverpool, as opposed to being in the office here at Cultaholic. I miss you today because they're being very ageist upstairs in oh, our the, office. Why? What are they saying now? They're saying they've never heard of Fraggle Rock. Oh come on! I, I, and I think Fraser's sort of got them all g'd up to go. Hey, let's play a joke on Tom and say we've never heard of Fraggle Rock. Everyone um, knows Fraggle Rock. Everyone is—is is this because? Rock. Because you received a, a telegram to the monthly review from Uncle Travelling Matt from Fraggle Rock. That was where it started. And I went, yes. And they were like, oh, no, where that's from. And I went, oh, it's, it's Fraggle Rock, of course. And they're like, oh, what's Fraggle Rock? So I think they've conspired to go, oh, let's all pretend we don't know what Fraggle Rock is and gaslight the old bastard of the office. It's just ages of geeks. Younger geeks. Madness. I'm gonna right. I'm gonna turn up in the office in a few weeks and launch a campaign of violence, the likes of which has not been seen in the streets of Newcastle for quite some time. It would mean a lot, matey. If you could punch yeah. a horse while you're here, then you've hit the bar for like Newcastle oh, violence. We tend to do that when we get violent: is punch horses. <laughs> um, not me personally. The, the city in general. So we're back September 30th, 1996, on the Coltolic Classic Raw Review. Number one movie in America is the First Wives Club. Still. Mm-hmm. It's a great film. Last Man Standing is the number one movie in the UK, starring Bruce Willis alongside Christopher Walken. A drifting gunslinger for hire finds himself in the middle of an ongoing war between the Irish and the Italian mafia in a prohibition era ghost town. That sounds either good or, because I've never heard of it, probably shite. But the idea of Bruce Willis versus. Christopher Walken has just made my heart a flutter. It's one of those movies that seems to have all the pieces in place, mm. <laughs> but uh, probably got the probably the pieces all fell out on the way to the shop. Um, number one song in the US is still the Macarena, still yeah. hanging in there. Ready or not, by the Fuji, still number one in the UK. No mm. change there. Yesterday, the Nintendo sixty four was officially released in North America. Uh, along with Pilot Wings 64 and, of course, Super Mario 64. Uh, so now, just, uh, just another two years until Europe, because Nintendo likes to do that. I just, I hated that. Like, why, you know, I'm, we live in a world now where it's like, well, if they've got it, we need it as well. Like, yeah. we've got no patience and no time for bullshit anymore. Global releases, that's the future. I'm a big fan. Uh, otherwise, a quiet September uh, in the in the free world, the Olympics, uh, the Olympic torches is out for a couple more years, but certainly some a lot of conversations about one particular Olympian from that one, which we'll talk about in years to come. But what is happening in the wild and wacky and woolly world of wrestling over there, Jackie Orlando? Why, thanks, uh, Tom uh, Miami. Ooh. Brilliant, nice, <laughs> Tom Miami. Tommy Miami. <laughs> if you're watching the Patreon, I have a I have a, f- a flowery shirt on. Which mm. makes me feel a bit Tom Miami. Tommy, Tommy Miami. Tommy um, Miami. So there's there's quite a bit of news. It's all bits and bobs from all over the place. Literally, like all the, the big hitters are represented this week. 
Um, but nothing really seismic, but enough to tickle on, if you know what I mean. I'm it's it's you. like it's it's like when we're doing uh, the news for the website day by day recently because in the summer it's quite quiet. We're just like, oh, Tory Wilson's been spotted eating Rice Krispies. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's... Any other day we'd say no, but today it's worth a few clicks. It's one of them. Um, so this is from Dave Melter's Wacky Wrestling Observer newsletter, dated October the seventh, nineteen ninety six. Um, the biggest bit of WWF news is that. A combination of the loss of television syndication in the New York market and a weak lineup wound up with the lowest paid attendance for a pro wrestling show in Madison Square Garden in more than 40 years, Jeez. slash perhaps ever. So, yeah, uh, they ran MSG September 29th. According to WWF figures, 3,917 fans paid $146,000, which to you and I, $146,000 for a night sounds good, but for MSG... It's not great. That's a real um, sad state of affairs when MSG isn't just isn't pulling that kind of crowd. Yeah, because something I hadn't mentioned in previous weeks because it's the kind of thing that doesn't really interest me. It might interest you out there. Um, WF have been scaling back on the syndicated TV coverage because whereas in the eighties when they really got to their pomp, they'd pay to be on syndicated TV to try and get you know into all the local markets and drive local ticket sales, but now it part of a cost cut measure, part of a what's the point thing, the scaling it back. And this is the first kind of blow to the wallet, but they will be running MSG for Survivor Series and that will probably sell out fine. I've got the card for the September 29th MSG show if you want it. Ooh, give me give me the give me the the dustings. Okay, well Salvatore Sincere beat Bob Holly in the opening match. Great. So don't worry if you were late. Uh, J- Justin Bradshaw beat Alex Pug Porto. Porto getting a run out. Hey. Oh, lad. Uh, Jake Roberts beats T.L. Hopper. Yeah. The Stalker beats the Goon. Christ on a bike. Owen Hart and the British Bulldog beat the Godwins and the Smoking Guns and the Grim Twins, who we Ooh. see in action tonight. It is another roll of the dice for two completely feckless twins um <laughs> vader beat psycho sin in a lumberjack match i bet that was hot shite oh i bet that was hot piss um hunter Hus helmsley beats freddie joe floyd a rare rare w for hunter there it seems. <laughs> yeah and that's no disrespect to Tracy Smothers, but this no. is this is not a great card uh savio vega loses to steve austin Okay, okay, yeah, that's probably a, decent, yeah. There's a good hand in the mid-card going on there. Uh, Mark Mera beats Farouk by DQ in an intercontinental title match. And then the main event, Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker team to beat Goldust and Mankind. Okay, well, it's, that's the show. The end of the card was certainly better than the beginning. But <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not a great one. It's not a good look. It's not a good time. It's a, it's a weird old time for the WWF at this point. Well, it's it's all changed behind the scenes as well because apparently in his first major act as co-CEO, uh, Neville Mayer um, fired five vice presidents. Um, it, remember a few weeks ago we were saying there was the kerfuffle with AOL, whereas AOL had an official WWF channel, but they also had an other sports channel and you fans of WCW and ECW basically writing in there saying, oh, we like this, we don't like WWF, WWF kicked off saying you can't say this people are saying this is you know against free speech etc 
two of the people who is uh, in charge of the new media divisions and the stuff of that have been let go, and three others have been let go in a switch around. The only reason I've brought this up is because these positions are expected to be filled shortly. JJ Dillon's left, that's not going to be filled, but his uh, duties will be divided up with Linda McMahon handling contract negotiations. Mm. Jerry Briscoe and Jim Ross working as office liaisons with the talent. Uh, Ross handling personal appearances and Bruce Pritchard handling the rest of talent coordination. So we're starting to get the kind of the backstage setup that we kind of know, if you know what I mean. I, I, I take it. I don't know if Ross has already been EVP of talent relations at this journey. And there's, I'm sure he has because on this episode of Raw, he mentions about um, Gorilla Monsoon coming to his office. Yeah, he, he mentions a lot on this episode. Oh, it's, it's, it's Jim Ross. But I was looking it up because I'd never heard of this Neville Mayer or. Um, Apparently he he was co CEO until May nineteen ninety eight. I found his LinkedIn page. Nice. Um, he's best remembered for a shit WWF comic called Crowzor, and I had to look this up. And it has to be the same guy because it was written by a Neville Mayer, and there can't be more than one Neville Mayer involved with WWF. And it was a kind of they wanted to tap into the comic book market. This is around I think end of ninety six, beginning ninety seven, and the idea was that Undertaker can hear aliens from another dimension who are coming to invade Earth and then people will have to wrestle aliens. And there was a preview for it in the WWF magazine and then it was never released because it's I like I like a, a good comic. Uh this is some of the worst art I've ever seen. Like <laughs> there's, there's like a drawing of Vince McMahon where the face looks like him but then the hands are CGI and then there's another bit where like Undertaker just looks like some kind of looks like um uh member of the DOA on crack and there's stuff which is just clearly screenshots of WWF with it just sloppily drawn over the top weird weird wow and, where yeah, can you see re- these if you type in WWF Crozor K-R-O-Z-O-R um, the stuff that I, I found a reddit post on it where someone scanned in the preview from the, the magazine and it's odd oh my god I found it <laughs> Jesus, this looks true. <laughs> oh, this looks dreadful. <laughs> so I, I, I advise you to Google it. Not you, Tom, because Tom clearly has already. It's isn't it awful? <laughs> oh my God! How is? Got this one picture of Steve Austin. <laughs> oh my God! Right, I've, I need to. I, I'm. I'm. If you're. If you're a Patreon, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna flash it up for you uh, in a moment so you can see it. But I want to send it to Jackie Orlando as well. Like of all the pictures that I've, this one has just grabbed my eye. Been drawn to it as if by an eye magnet. These are dreadful. I'm so happy. Let's just hang on. Can I just drop it in there? I can. That's the one I found there. It's in the chat on Zoom. Uh, if you're a Patreon, you can see it now. <laughs> yes. What? It looks like Gilbert, doesn't it? <laughs> it looks like he looks like Gilbert or some kind of bouncer in a 
<laughs> a really dodgy nightclub. It's yeah, I'm I'm glad this exists. Why does it look like he's got lipstick on? And he's and he's like pursing his lips like he's going what... for a kiss. I can't remember if it was on Reddit or there was a um a blog I found somewhere with someone talking about wrestling comics in general, talking about the Warriors comic, the WCW Marvel comic, which I had as a little kid. Um, and then they just talk about this saying, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. Why is Steve Austin's lips too pink? It's <laughs> one of the comments on it. So, uh, yeah, that's the seemingly the new co-CEO of WWF. Well, um, welcome in, young man. <laughs> So, talking, talking of people will be welcome into the WWF soon, Dan Crawford and Doug Furness are expected to debut in November. They haven't signed contracts, but had a meeting at Titan on September 16th. Both were offered contracts, presumably to work against Owen Hart and Davey Boy Smith for the tag titles. They would be giving up all Japan for this deal. Um, in an interesting twist, WCW, which they were first planning on going to since Furness was broken into wrestling by Kevin Sullivan, they were given a chance to meet WWF's offer and didn't do so, so which seems WWF, uh, WCW in this period, it seems that they're just throwing money at everything. So I don't know much about Crawford and Furness. Um, I know the names. I've seen bits and bobs. I know that around this time they are held in very high regard, but I can't say I've seen too much of them. No, they they don't get massive amounts of exposure to the Can-Am Express. No. On uh, on the on the western side of things, they were a big deal as part of like all Japan. Uh, obviously, in ECW, they they yeah. they they capture some attention. All Japan was the one though. I think they were all Asia tag champs like five times in Japan. Yeah. Um, Dan Crawford was the was the junior heavyweight champ a couple of times as well. But um, they're a great team. The one thing, and 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 I from I'm only basing it on what I've seen of them. So. Uh, happy to be wrong on this they did suffer from a criminal lack of charisma which i think blighted their mainstream success like wwf recognizes them as decent talent to have on you know in in a point where they're probably looking to as well as hire characters like hire some strong good hands in the mid card i guess since they had it they had a good hand in the mid card who looks like any minute now he's going to be a good hand in the main event so they need to therefore restock the good hands in the mid card. And yeah. they're just two of those guys that can do that. And in a tag division, that's, that's quite, uh, quite dry at the moment. <laughs> Having like some workhorses in there is not a bad shout. Yeah. Well, talking of workhorses, Terry Gordy did a tryout match without a mask, putting, out, putting over Xavier Vega at the September 24th Superstar tapings in State College, Pennsylvania. He was said to have looked so-so. Oh, um, so 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 Terry Gordy at this point we know he'll come in eventually we had a, a good discussion about the uh, executioner recently um, other notes from this show they did an interview where Farouk and Sonny had an amicable split um, Sonny's being taken off the road to do live wire and also because Candido's no longer on the road Sonny is getting heat with a lot of people um, really? yeah she's rubbing up people the wrong way um, and Dave goes on a bit of a not a tirade here, but he says they, they, they tried to throw in a faint illusion that Farouk and Sonny in character may be doing each other for, as Dave's put here, that famous black male, white female stereotype heat that gets done over and over in wrestling to appeal to some sort of prejudices, yet never seems to click with a public that appears to be generally not as prejudiced 
when it comes to interracial relationships in 1996, which we'll see, yeah, countless feckless um, promoters trying to pull this card over the years. But uh, Dave's ended it here with, without Sonny around, Farouk is going to need all the help he can get. So you let's, could let's say he'll us. need a nation of support. I never bit on Sonny and Farouk. No, it didn't work, did it? Like a weird sort of anti-chemistry there. And and like you, it's interesting to hear that side of things where they are clearly going for something that will defy a lot of prejudices. But Mm. it's weird because when you do it and there's no chemistry, it almost compounds it. Yeah. Yeah, and there was, and and it's and it wasn't a uh, a racial thing. The fact there was no chemistry; they were just two people that just didn't have chemistry together. Yeah, and you, you get that sometimes. You it you happens. see it in matches, everything, podcasts. Yeah, yeah. not us. We're the we're the dream team. We are the dream team. To be fair, we're the, we're the I'm Bruce Beefcake. <laughs> I'm Greg fucking Valentine. <laughs> fucking Sharon from up the road, as Alex calls him. <laughs> So, um, much of the talent in the office was included in on either the Jim Ross or the recent ECW angles. So, that's bad, isn't it? You should yeah. let them know what's happening. That virtually nobody knew the Ross angle ahead of time, including Kevin Kelly, whose reaction on air was legit. They did clue in Jerry Lawler to make sure he wouldn't react as a heel, which would kill the fake shoot aspect of the angle. Um, that's dreadful yeah. not telling Kev. Because in, like, in my notes today, spoiler, by the way, I've gone, this is really awkward for Kevin Kelly. Because JR's banging on going, they hired me to be the lead announcer for Raw and they don't even use me. I'm like, the lead announcer for Raw is Kevin Kelly and he's right there. Like, that's really yeah. awkward. Poor Kev. Exactly. Uh, as far as the, with the ECW stuff, uh, we were alluding to this, yeah. Bruce Pritchard and Savio Vega were told about the ECW angle since they were directly involved. And I'm sure much, if not all the EC talent, ECW talent knew but the WWF talent didn't know beforehand on the first night. Brackets, obviously, they had figured it out when they did the same thing the second night. So during man games, they were just like, oh, who are these bastards? But when they turned up again on Raw, they were like, oh, oh, there's a thing. It's a thing. Right, they, they picked up the air. But I, can't, I, mean, I, I don't know whether it's the case they just want to keep it secret and they're worried about wrestlers revealing hmm. what's going on. But at the same time, you know, just... You clue the guys in so they don't think something untoward's happening. Because didn't was it who was it that was gonna was it Bradshaw? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm gonna lamp him. Like, yeah. you know, and and it, you know what? It would be like a, a, an occurrence once in a decade where JBL would look across the ring and go, "I'm gonna lamp that ECW wrestler." Oof. For real. It's, uh, talking to people who love ECW, so here is a little thing in the back. Um, WWF and Dennis Coraluzo, who was a former. Uh, higher up in the NWA, um, obviously loves ECW because I think he was on the board when Shane Douglas threw down the title and um, just hates ECW as a result. So WWF and Coraluzo had worked out a talent agreement where Coraluzo would use the WWF talent that needs seasoning like Dwayne Johnson, Mark Henry, Brackus to give them experience. But seeing as WWF are working with ECW, it looks like Coraluzo has gone, ah, no, no, not happening. No, 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 no. Um, one more bit of WWF news and then we go elsewhere into the wacky world of wrestling and uh, I'm going to ask you a question Tom who is apparently gone from the WWF who is apparently gone from the WWF well Sean Waltman's already gone surely Sean Waltman's gone but who is apparently gone 
<laughs> um, <laughs> you mean the name as opposed to the question? <laughs> Yes. Yes, very much. <laughs> Not the pronoun, but rather a player with an unlikely name of who is, on, is out of the WWF. <laughs> who, who do who? Yeah, Jim Neidhart's gone, apparently. So, you know, you need strong hands in the mid card. Why not just have Jim Neidhart be Jim Neidhart rather than put him under a mask and put him in Andre the Giant's old little yellow one piece? I don't <laughs> understand it. <laughs> what an odd, I mean, what an odd run that was for, yeah. for our boy. Considering he'll be back in the not too distant future as well, it just seems like a big, a big fart on, doesn't it? It really does. But it was, it was a a, a shoeless, clueless gimmick, and I'm kind of yeah. glad to see the back of it. I'll be perfectly honest. Terrible, absolutely terrible. So that's the dub dub f news. What's going on? Elsewhere. Don't know what that was. Elsewhere. It was like a an excited fish getting slapped. I don't know what that would be like. Um, Christ alive. Two bits of WCW bits for you. Uh, the first one is Sting's storyline, apparently, is actually to explain his absence as he's doing a movie called Liar Liar, starring Jim Carrey. As Dave Meltzer's put, I can think of a lot of wrestling personalities who should be stars in a movie with that name. <laughs> oh, Dave! You He's... are a fun. He is ribald, isn't he? <laughs> he is a ribald reporter. Um, Full of so games. We mentioned before, and we've mentioned in previous weeks, that J.J. Dillon has left WWF. He's basically gone back over to WCW. He started working in the office this past Tuesday. Bischoff had a pep talk before the September 23rd Nitro with the wrestlers saying he wanted to beat WWF by 1.5 again in the ratings. He told the wrestlers that Dylan would be coming in and apologised to Kevin Sullivan, saying Dylan would be his assistant because he's heard Dylan is a good organiser and said he was apologising because it was the first chance he'd gotten to tell Kevin Sullivan about this. Oh, so he's had a big meeting. Wow. He's like, uh, Kev, sorry, uh, JJ Dylan's coming and he's working with you. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So. Bloody hell. As Dave's put, ironically, this J.J. Dillon deal was probably a done deal a long time ago because one major WCW figure was bragging back in late April. This is now September, like the end of September. Bragging back in late April about how Dillon was coming in and that J.J. had his house in Connecticut for sale for several months, then quit with no notice when the house closed. So, J.J.'s coming back in. So, Dillon's done with Dub Dub F and off back to Dub C Dub. Mm. I feel like he's a better fit there. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Especially... Because he'll, he'll become a, an on-screen figure once more as well. So I've thrown in a bit of All Japan news because what always gets talked about this time is, you know, who's going from ECW to WWF, who's going from WF to WCW, who's going from WCW to WF, blah, 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 blah. In All Japan, as Dave's put it, in something of a major shocker, and this was the lead story in The Observer this week, Former New Japan booking assistant and current Japanese center Hiroshi Hase announced on September 29th that he'd be starting with All Japan in January, so he's defective from New Japan to All now Japan, that's which is very rare, especially at this time. He made the announcement in an interview with Tokyo Sports after the story of his negotiations with All Japan made the weekly wrestling magazines. He said he had two meetings with All Japan President Giant Baba on September 9th and 19th. Um, however, Baba, when asked about this the day earlier as at his Karakuen Hall show on September 28th, uh, just laughed it off. So <laughs> I've never even met him. 
Huh. <laughs> Keisha, um, hardly know her. But yeah, he 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 will join in January 1997. He'll stay there until retiring in 2006. One of the only wrestlers to have learned under both Inoki and Baba. Um, if you're unfamiliar with him, wonderful head of hair, beautiful little moustache. Uh, early 90s, he was one of the most you know well-regarded in-ring talents. There's a fantastic match. Tase and uh, Muto versus the Steiners in 1994. I've got a very famous clip for it of a uh, Scott Steiner fucking spiking him with a Steiner screwdriver. Uh, it's beautiful. That was rough. I've seen that before. It's great, and you know, it's it's no secret that I'm a big fan of uh, early 90s Scott Steiner as well. The Dave Meltzer years. Oh yeah, Dave Meltzer looks in the mirror and just sees Scott Steiner looking back at him. Sounds like a horror film. Much of that looking in the mirror, just Scott Steiner's there, just. Screen about Samoa Joe being fat. See, I'd make an agreement with with if I was Dave Meltzer, I'd be making an agreement with Scott Steiner around this time. And if everyone goes like, "Oh, Dave, you wrote some shit about me. I'm gonna beat you up," just send mm. Scott Steiner. Exactly. Yeah. As your stunt double. So a little bit of triple A news for you. Oh. There are beginning to be the obvious problems with so many of the top names spending so much time with WCW as far as being a- unable to use the top stars in triple A. So the house show lineups in Mexico are suffering greatly because obviously as part of the Cruiserweight and Lucha Libre invasion of WCW, they're in a work, they're taking all the best lads from AAA basically. Uh, with the Mexican economy in the toilet, even though the AAA wrestlers for the most part, brackets with the exception of Conan who has a contract, even though the AAA wrestlers in WCW are the lowest paid of all wrestlers in the company, it's still way more than they make in Mexico. So this is like two years removed from AAA being like arguably the hottest promotion on the planet um, to because the, the economy's tanked. They're all just going, ah, bugger this. We're going to WCW because we haven't paid more. So It's a bit of a mass exodus. Mm. Bit of USWA news. We'll come across this more later on in this episode of Raw. So Jesse James Armstrong has left. He'll be coming in. And as Dave says, he'll be called the name Jesse James that's J E double S double E J A double M double E double S. Jesse James. And he's put as the new double J with bleached blonde hair, apparently. He put, sometimes I think the buried alive concept on the next pay per view is apropos for the entire promotion when you see things like this the new oh, Razor oh. and the new Diesel. So oh, oh. he's so ribald this week, isn't he, Meltzer? Oh, he's bloody on one. He's so he's ribald. Two little bits of ECW news and then we get stuck into Raw. Because obviously we've had the the first little hits of the ECW invasion in WWF. So in ECW, they didn't hype the WWF feud deal heavily on television. But it was brought up with Joey Styles calling the ECW arena the most famous bingo hall in all of sports. At one point, he threw a punch at the camera and said, hey Vince, bingo. So he's being a cheeky boy. And then this last bit, which made me laugh. The rock band Weezer, which Dave has spelt wrong, uh, he's put an H in there as in someone who's wheezing. Um, and so the rock band Weezer has a song getting some radio airplay with an ECW reference to grunge leg, leg dropping a new jack through a table. And I know straight away this is one of my favorite Weezer songs. It's El Scorcho off Pinkerton. And yeah, there is just a random line, which is, yeah, watching grunge leg drop new jack through a press table. Wow. Um, this is actually the week that Pinkerton comes out. Oh, is it? Which was mm. savaged back in the day, but yeah. now has been critically reappraised. And I read 
because I remember the first time I heard Osgore, Joe must have been about 13, 14, and that jumped out at me. It was like, what, Johnny Grunge and New Jack? What? And I read up on this, and apparently it was just, I think Rivers Cuomo was in uh, class with someone, because I think he, maybe around this time he was doing college stuff, or it was before he went to, I think he went to Harvard, and someone was just like excitedly talking about going to an ECW show and said the line, he watched Grunge like drop New Jack for a press table. And it ends up in El Scorcho. So wow. that's all the news this week from Jolly Dave Meltzer. And via Weezer. Mm. <laughs> or as he calls him, Weezer. Weezer. With Cool Whip. Oh, God. So let's take a look at Monday Night Raw, the last Raw for September of 1996. We are barreling towards the end of 96. And we are uh, in the, ver- the, the the embryonic stage of the Attitude Era. I mean, Jackie Orlando said on multiple occasions that it's basically here without the bells on now, isn't it? I mean, oh, 1997. Oh, oh, oh. You're in for, you're in for a treat across the board because... Nitro at 97 as well. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, it's a lot going on. There's a lot happening. Nitro's starting to get a bit spicy now. It's been shit for a long time. So mm. now we're getting some pudding. So it's good. Have um, you had the um, lawn dart incident? That must have been. That was the last episode that we did, which you would have heard a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So yeah, the lawn darting of Rey Mysterio. And uh, and then Rey Mysterio lay on the ground to speak to Eddie Guerrero saying, I saw four guys. I saw four guys. One, two, three, four guys. To which Larry Smith was going, oh, he's talking Spanish. I don't know what he's saying. (laughs) Just in all that carnage, the time for Larry Zabisco to be a bit racist. So that's (laughs) Yeah, like that whole episode of Nitro that Sam and I watched a few weeks back, like just everything grinds to a halt for 25 minutes as medical. The the my favorite part was like everybody like like the the Buff Bagwell and, and Scotty Riggs and Rey Mysterio and Arn Anderson are all down. Everyone's around them crying and trying to help them and, and waiting on the ambulances. And suddenly you hear the sirens at the distance. They go, oh, here comes the ambulance, baby. Here comes the ambulance. Fire engine turns up. <laughs> and I just made me chuckle like, oh, fucking hell. Vince Russo's booking this, is he? Bro, no one is going to expect a fire engine. <laughs> I like the fact that I was reading up on this recently that when Randy Savage jumps on the car, that was not part of the script. And like, no! Jesus, Randy, you don't want to get ran over. That was just that was a bit of ad lib from from Match's part. What a what a guy! What a what guy! What a guy! Uh, talking about not in the script. Uh, let's go to Raw, where Jim Ross's shoot interview is the opening subject and the debut of the fake Razor Ramon or just Razor Ramon. Apparently Jim Ross in introducing somebody else as Razor Ramon quote, tore the foundations of the WWF with the comments that he made. That seems a bit much. I will say though, with this recap in isolation, this looked really good. If yes. you hadn't seen this and you just saw this, you'd be like, oh, bloody hell, what's going on? And I noticed that they made sure to highlight when he said ass, crap, and hell, because they are potty mouth little boys, aren't they? Oh. Attitude era in, in its uh, in its virgence, in its, in its first appearance. Yeah. It's happening. It's happening, baby. Uh, Kevin Kelly, Jerry Lawler, and a belligerent Jim Ross welcome us to Monday Night Raw for this week. Uh, Steve Austin's making his way to the ring at the start. We're getting Razor versus Savio Vega, as well as Jim Cornette and Vader versus Shawn Michaels and Jose Lothario mm. in tag team action this week. Steve Austin's opponent for our opening match is Jake the Snake Roberts. Jerry Lawler has a little bottle of whiskey and is taunting Jake with it because he's an asshole. 
Jake is a legitimate recovering alcoholic, and this whole angle, still the fact they're still doing it, uh, seems incredibly out uh, in, in bad taste. Yeah, Jerry Lawler got beaten up by Mark Henry, and we hoped that would be his comeuppance, but he is basically it's as if it didn't happen. And he pulls the most slappable face when he's holding up this little bottle of Jim Beam. He just like proper milks it, and I was just like, oh, I was like, this is the wrong kind of heat. It is the it is the worst the worst kind of heat. I'm not a fan, mm. as many of us weren't at this point. Um, Jake seems extra intense tonight. Yeah, he he, he still gets a pop as well. Um, he's not in his best shape, but he's ditched the vest as well, so he's he's back to his old school, just like just tighten boots. But he seems as he's getting into the ring, he seems quite like het up. Yeah, is he just in the zone, or has something bad happened? Well, I don't know too much about what I mean. Uh, we we know that he's keen to step away even at this point and do more behind the scenes stuff. It doesn't seem to be mm. happening. But also we know that he's quite upset with the Jerry Lawler stuff that's been going on and the fact that he's he's aired his concerns about him using real alcohol during an angle the other week. Like they're carrying on regardless, which I think yeah. is in you know, no angle. I don't think it's like it's not like the WWF is hanging on the every word of this this angle and how it pays off at all. Yeah, you could happily drop it, and I wouldn't be sad. But now they're they're choosing to to persevere with it anyway. Kevin Kelly plugs the tag the tag team main event, calling Vader quote a man called Vader, <laughs> as opposed to the man they call Vader, which is the 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 latter being far more intimidating, <laughs> the former being. Like a conversation between two guys who hang near a bus stop. Oh, that's a, that's a man called Vader. It's a bloke called Vader. It's just some lad called Vader. Some yeah. lad called Vader. Um, yeah, it just takes away all that spice from him. Kelly also plugs Savio versus Razor Ramon. Kevin Kelly says, what should we call this guy? To Jim Ross, he rebuts, I suggest we call him Razor Ramon, because that's what it says on his tights. <laughs> For God's sake. The beginning of Jim Ross just being a complete dick tonight. Uh, Jake goes for a DDT Austin takes a powder he tries a sneak attack on Roberts but Roberts catches him uh, when uh, he tries to, to go for him while he's getting out uh, talking on with Lawler back mm. in the ring though Austin catches him goes to town with some elbow drops and some stomps uh, JR is talking about Austin's performance at Madison Square Garden on commentary saying I think the garden is going to become Stone Cold's house which either means that he believes Steve Austin is going to be more than just a good ad in the mid car or maybe he's just sitting on right move and Austin's put an offer in. <laughs> He's cold, wasn't it? I'd have gone into bed in the middle of like a basketball <laughs> court. Should have bought a should have bought a bed, really. <laughs> I'll get a bed with my next paycheck. I'll sleep on the floor <laughs> till then. JR fucking belly aches about not being the main play-by-play guy, which must have been awkward for Kevin Kelly. Even mm. more so now knowing that. Kevin wasn't clued in that Jim Ross was going to come out and be a dick. Um, this is a very slow and plodding affair, really, lads. Jake powers up from a camel clutch after the break, driving Austin's head into the turnbuckles whilst Austin's on the outside of the ring. He cracks the old short arm clothesline, goes to the DDT, but Austin hangs onto the ropes to block it. Jake does get it the second time, but Austin gets a foot on the ropes. So they're protecting the DDT, but they're also protecting Austin. Hmm. Uh, Lawler taunts Jake Roberts with a whiskey bottle. He sips some and spits it into Jake Roberts' face. 
grim. Roberts shakes it off, but walks into a stone-cold stunner, giving Austin the win. Austin and Lawler then beat up Jake Roberts post-match until Savio Vega runs them off with his trusty leather strap, his Caribbean strap, if you will. I didn't think this was a patch on their King of the Ring encounter. No, and considering the King of the Ring encounter had Jake Roberts selling a battering from earlier in the night as well, it was... It was fine. Don't get me wrong. It was fine. It was it, it was sound for TV. It wasn't the most exciting, but I think it served a purpose. Although, can Jerry Lawler fuck off? <laughs> I that's genuinely how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of sweetened audio, but you could see the crowds were coming alive for Austin, and they were still reacting to Jake as well. So, um, I think. Notice in the crowd made me not dislike this as much as I possibly should have, if you get me. Yeah, I just, I didn't get it. I didn't really bite onto it. No. To be perfectly honest. And that's, you know, they're both very capable of having a banger together. But tonight, I didn't think it was really their night. Yeah. And then they didn't even really mention the fact that they'd wrestled each other in King of the Ring until JR mentioned it late into commentary. It was I, very I, late in commentary where they brought that up. Yeah, you'd think they'd lead with that, saying, oh, Jim, you know, like uh, Roberts is more focused this time. He, he, perhaps he's got Austin's number, but no, it was just Jim Ross talking about how much he's been not done by. And he was like, oh, for God's sake, lads, come on. Getting themselves over. Mankind and Paul Bearer are in the graveyard. Mankind is digging a hole with his bare hands. Paul Paul Bearer says, you don't need to do that. The Undertaker will literally dig his own grave and buried alive. We'll see. We'll see Undertaker yeah. again in a bit. It's just a nice little bit, wasn't it? It was very quick though. When when it cut to it, I was expecting like, oh right, I better get typing because there'll be lots of notes for this. And it was probably about thirty seconds of that. Uh, teeny tiny segment. Teeny tiny yeah. segment. We get a very quick shot of Razor Ramon and Diesel. Mm. I don't think this was meant to happen. No, they they were just like yanking exercise equipment and it was just weird it was like because it, it quickly cut back to Jerry Lola walk to the ring then it quickly cut to this and then it snap cut to something else and it felt chaotic and I don't know if that was them trying to match the energy of Nitro or if this was just slapdash I think this was slapdash and only because they are very secretive about what Diesel looks like for the rest of the night oh of there's course a, yeah, yeah there's a bit where Doc Hendricks goes to interview him but he's not there and then it's only when he walks out into onto the st- on, into the arena that people go, ah, oh, it's Diesel. So I think they were trying to be secretive about what he looked like until the last moment. So I think yeah. this was an error. Oh, brilliant! It's a nice one. WWE, WWF in 1996, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I hope someone got fired for that blunder. Uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley is out in a nice puffy shirt. He is sick of Mr. Perfect stealing women for his bloody wife, mine. Oh, that mine. He marches to the ring with no fanfare, no music, and wants to show Mr. Perfect what the new generation is all about. To which Jackie Orlando goes, it's the attitude era now, mate. Get over it. New generation is done. I wrote that down. I just put Christ. I was like, come on. (laughs) But Helmsley's not wrestling. He's on commentary for our next match, which features the Grim Twins. <laughs> that face says it all. The fact that the Harris brothers keep having runs in prominent positions till about 2002, just because they're twins and they're tall, when 
I know people said that when they turned up wearing SS t-shirts, they were portraying bikers, but the fact that it looks like they got SS tattoos on their biceps as well, let's just say Ron and Don Harris, I'd never say this to their face because they'd murder me, but they can fuck off. <laughs> SS means Survivor Series. They're promoting That's it. the next pay-per-view. They are. They're big fans of Kiss. They just haven't got Kiss written in full. They started with the S's and worked backwards. Um, why have they been hired again? Who cares? Um, commentary acting like we don't know who these fellas are. I was like, oh, look at these big, massive twins who look like those other twins we had who had big hair. Christ alive. Not since the time I had a full-fat strawberry milkshake at the dessert place in town have there been so many unwanted runs like we're seeing from Jason and Jared, the Grim Twins. I like the idea of like a Mr. and Mrs. Grim being like, oh, we've had twins, what should we call them? Like, uh, just Jason. <laughs> Jason Grim. It sounds like a sounds like a bad 1930s kind of like phantom comic character. <laughs> And his brother, oh, Jared, Jared, Jeff Jared, Jeff Jarrett Grimm. Jeff Jarrett Grimm and Jason (laughs) Grimm. Um, They're back and better than ever. They're exactly Mm. the same as they were, except less hair. Of course, we haven't seen them since their days as Jacob and Eli Blue in October of 1995. They said farewell after losing to the Smoking Guns 400 times. Uh, They joined ECW earlier this year and have been wrestling as the Bruise Brothers, Don and Ron Harris, and briefly were part of Raven's Nest. Mm. Yeah, and they've got this run as the Grimm's. And then I assume they stick around when they become disciples of the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And then they end up in WCW for a bit as uh, the part of creative control and the powers that be, and then end up in the fucking NWO. And then, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't... Keep on keeping on. Is anyone ever been a fan of the Harris brothers? Because they're just always there, but no one cares. They're not even good hands in the mid-card. They're just no, hands in the mid-card. Just, yeah. They're big, though. Vince likes big lads. I know, but Christ. <laughs> they're big lads, and that's all that matters. Yeah. But they're here to face the Godwins. I'm sure this will be great. Uh, Phineas has a goat, which is lovely. I believe they borrowed these from local petting zoos. Okay, well, this was a lovely little goat. The, most of the animals, apart from that one time, was it when they had the baby pigs that looked a bit upset. Yeah. Most of the animals have looked okay. This goat seemed happy. Obviously, I can't talk on behalf of this goat. <laughs> but it's yeah, getting, the, like, the goat's a WCW fan. Yeah, he's getting like strokes from the crowd and stuff, and it seemed all right. So as long as the animals aren't oh, getting just, too riled up. I just up. think it'd be quite noisy for them. Be yeah. stressful. Coming out of all those people. I don't think they'd mm. like it. Uh, Jerry Lawler is chatting with Hunter on commentary. Uh, Hunter's tearing perfect a new one, saying he might be the perfect one, but I think he's now a has-been. Oh. You know, I, I noticed Jerry called him Kurt as well. Yeah! yeah. I, I don't know whether that was a slip or not, but they, they continue calling him Mr. Perfect for the rest of this, I think. Yeah. Kurt uh, Perfect. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kurt Perfect. <laughs> uh, careful what you wish for, Hunter, because you get a picture-in-picture of Kurt Perfect. He says he loves a good challenge. He said Hunter's the first to, first to issue him a challenge and accepts it. Nobody else in the year that he's been back has wanted a fight with Mr. Perfect. I think he just can't be asked. Yeah. 
They're just like, isn't his back knackered? It's like, oh, yeah, maybe. Well, he had that big Lloyds of London payout, didn't he? Oh, yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. So an infamous the way he said, I've retired from wrestling. My Lloyds insurance, I'm going to cash that in. And, and Lloyds of London just gave insurance to wrestlers because they just assume once you say that you retire, then that's it. You don't go back. Um, contrary to, you know, despite popular belief, they don't do insurance for wrestlers anymore. Well, I think, yeah, I think Perfect buggered it up for everyone else because I know Rick Rude had one. And he was trying to, when it, like the, the late nineties, obviously he's, he's with the extra bit in the NWO. I'm sure he was trying to get them to sign him off to wrestle again. Mm. And I know that obviously after Bret Hart legitimately retires and has strokes, he had a hard time getting the payout because they were just like, Oh, we've been burned by you before. And he's like, no, no, I've had a couple of strokes, lads. I'm, I'm, I'm done. So, perfect. <laughs> so imagine they, they go, okay, here's your money. Bret Hart for WrestleMania. Damn it! He fooled us again! <laughs> Bruce Hart turns up and is like, don't worry, I can still go. <laughs> don't worry, lads, I've got this! Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, he gives Hunter a few weeks to get into shape. I'm sure Perfect's ready to go, what with his good back at all. Uh, Hunter promises he's going to tear him apart. Anyway, I haven't watched this match, no. uh, but it ends with a slop drop out of nowhere, like an RKO, but with pigs. Uh, Phineas wins. Cut to the shot of a man in the crowd wearing a snout. <laughs> Did you see it? No. <laughs> Did they, see this? They cut to the crowd, and there's just like this bloke... He looks like he's in his middle ages, but by 90 standards, he's probably 28. Like, bowl <laughs> cut glasses, stick on snout, just clapping. Bloody hell. The one Godwin fan is in tonight. <laughs> no, like you, I didn't care or pay attention to the match, and this extended to the post-match as well. <laughs> Doc Hendricks has a double J expose. He is going to... He's gonna reveal some home truths about my new best friend, Jeff Jarrett. He says his entire music career was a hoax. And not only was he lip syncing it in your house that time when he faced Shawn Michaels in one of his favorite WWF matches, he says that Jeff Jarrett's been lip syncing all his life. But who did sing? Well, don't worry, because we have got uh, the, the rehearsal footage from In Your House, 
where we see the real Double J singing the song in the cowboy gear. No dyed blonde hair, but dreadlocks and a cowboy hat and a nice cowboy suit. He, he was Jeff Jarrett's roadie. It was him singing all along. What a twist. Now, we talked about this the other week. This is the story that WWF wanted to do last year. Mm. Hence why the footage, I guess, is here. Uh, where they had Jeff Jarrett revealed to be uh, a, a shyster, a grifter, uh, a liar when it came to his musical prowess. But Jeff was not a fan of losing like his title, his roadie, and his reputation all in one night. And it led to Jeff just disappearing. And now enough water's passed under the bridge. They're going to do the storyline anyway. Yeah, might as well. I, ne- I didn't click ever with me until this when he said... When they revealed this and said, you knew him as the roadie, we know him as the real Double J, Jesse James. And I never realised that, oh shit, yeah, Jesse James, Double mm. J. It, it never clicked on me. I think because, obviously, we know he was the roadie, but when you think of Jesse James, you may think of, you know, one of the most popular tag teams of all time during the hottest period of the company. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they were just never properly linked in my brain. And now they are, because yeah. that's, that's where he becomes the real Double J. Brian. Brian Jarrett. Brian Jarrett. Oh, no. Brian, Brian Dog. <laughs> the real Double J, Brian Dog. <laughs> We're going to call him Brian Dog for the duration of this podcast. I've decided oh, that. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, here comes. Here comes the fake guy, Razor Ramon. Kevin Kelly and Jerry Lawler are essentially just raising eyebrows metaphorically. And Jim Ross is going, fucking what? It's Razor Ramon, you pricks. And he says, he's come here to he's come here to kick Fanny and take names. I'm just like, oh, Jim, for God's sake. When we come back from break, Gorilla Monsoon is sat on the end of the commentary table, just staring at Jim Ross. I found all this incredibly funny because everyone's going, Jim, mate. And Jim's going, what? It's Razor Ramon. Shut up. To be fair to him, he says, <laughs> even Jim says, I never mentioned the name Scott Hall, Kevin Nash. I said yeah. Razor and Diesel. Tits. <laughs> <laughs> Savio Vega can't wait to beat up the fake Razor Ramon. He runs into the ring to start the match. Hot. JR is angrily bagging on about being fired that time. Gorilla Monsoon is cutting him off and accusing Jim Ross of fraud. And as Jackie Orlando says, claiming he lied about bringing Kevin Nash and Scott Hall back. And JR says, no, mate, never said national. Never said national. The crowd love him, says JR. Listen to the crowd. They love him. They're all chatting fake really loudly. (laughs) Gorilla says, what's his name then? And JR says, his name's Razor Ramon. I, I, I don't know whether I meant to hate it, whether I meant to enjoy it. I just thought it was really funny. Like someone desperately trying not to lie. But like, ironically, lie a liar being filmed as we speak. Um, Razor Ramon is lampooning Scott Hall from the gestures to the moveset to the movement. He's got Savio on the bounce for a lot of this match, including a lovely fall away slam that... Uh, Ramon yeah. used to do. JR asks if Gorilla was embarrassed last week the same way that he was when he got fired that time. For God's sake. Jerry Lawler, Jerry Lawler pleased with Jim 
to take this up with Gorilla after the show. And JR says, all right, yeah, we'll have a meeting if I can squeeze you in. Call my receptionist. We'll try and make a meeting happen. <laughs> Cut to Doc Hendricks outside the locker room of Razor and Diesel. He's trying to get an interview with Diesel. But when he went into the locker room, Diesel wasn't there. <laughs> he looks he looks really confused, like a man can't leave a room. He's like, he was, <laughs> he was, he was here. He was here earlier. He was sitting down and now he's, he's not there. What's going on? I don't understand. If someone goes in a room, they have to leave a room. <laughs> we come back to commentary and JR just says, Vince McMahon is an eager man. <laughs> And then talks about corporate bus butt kisses. See you in 2001 for that one. Um, he then starts going off about Doink the Clown. He's like, he's just like, yeah, you going know about this? I didn't hire Doink. I was like, what's Doink doing? Doink shit, mate. Gorilla Monsoon going, hey, this isn't, you're lying to people. And then JR's response is, shut up, Doink was shit. <laughs> He is like that one mate who's just been roasted all night and has just <laughs> had enough. Any minute, any minute, JL's just gonna start just copying Gorilla's voice. You're being you're you're being belligerent, Jim. Go on, say something about the solar plexus, Gorilla, yeah. you big twat. Uh, what's that bread basket, <laughs> fucking dick? <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Lawler is begging JR to just call the match. Always a worry when Lawler is the one appealing for calm. I know, everything bad I've ever said about Jerry Lawler was rescinded for this segment alone. 20 minutes ago, Jerry Lawler was spitting whiskey at a recovering alcoholic, and now he's going, come on, Jim, let's just focus on the wrestling. Savio <laughs> uh, Vega takes the lead, and suddenly, yes! Here's Big Daddy Cool Diesel, who we're definitely seeing for the very first time. We didn't see him earlier lifting a thing. No, we didn't. And that's got to be, that's got to be Isaac Yankum, DDS. It's just. Yay! It's... Yay! <laughs> He's here. The, the weird thing is, like, like Rick Bogner doesn't look great in the Razor costume, which is unfair because it's just because Scott Hall has, he's a specimen, isn't he? Whereas Rick Bogner, he's still, obviously, he's in shape, but he's just a bit schlubbier. Whereas Glenn Jacobs is a machine, but because we've already, like, if we'd never seen Diesel and this was presented as Diesel, you'd be like, oh yeah, okay, he seems all right. But because we know of Kevin Nash, who again, such charisma, he's just like, who's this gimp? <laughs> <laughs> he is quite the gimp so this is indeed the return of glenn jacobs to the world wrestling federation after his incredible run as isaac yankub dds the official dentist of jerry the king lawler um he he, he disappeared for a good while he was doing stuff um on the house show loop for a little while after mm. his his main push yeah uh, he did the live events in kuwait and did a tour of south africa with the wwf and that is where the isaac yankum dds gimmick was finally uh ended uh in the in the meantime between places uh he did pop up as himself this is interesting uh i don't know whether you can seek it out 14th of july 1996 uh at the martial arts festival wrestling events 
It's a freelance show that took place at Korokon Hall in Japan. Uh, he fights Koji Katao as Glenn Jacobs. Wow, okay. I thought Koji Katao had been blacklisted from the industry. Well, that's why he's at this this independent oh, right, random yeah. show fighting Glenn Jacobs as Glenn Jacobs in what I believe was the main event. Christ. Um, so that's, that's, <laughs> that's where we are at today. Um, oh. However, yeah, so and then the last time we saw him as the Isaac Yankum was a little while later, just finished off this Johannesburg tour. And... And it was communicated to him in a meeting with Rick Bogner that, hey, we're going to bring back Razor Ramon and Diesel. Uh, we're going to scrap uh, Isaac Yankin completely. And now you're going to go and watch some Kevin Nash tapes and come back as Big Daddy Cool Diesel. And that brings us to where we are today, whether you like it or not. <laughs> I feel bad for them. I, th- I think I feel especially bad for Razor, knowing that, you know, Glenn Jacobs goes on to become, you know, WWF champion, Hall of Famer, uh, you know, bit of an arsehole. Um, and I was watching it thinking, why didn't they just... I know they were trying to get the headlines, they were trying to claw stuff back against WCW, but these two could have worked as just a tag team under a different gimmick. Why not? A couple of big meaty boys who aren't the Harris twins. Go for it. They could have done. They could have done. But yeah. I mean, they, they they played a tag team. Obviously, the, the, the main thing they have for a bit is they are a tag team, as mm. we will see. But yeah, they could have played themselves as a BT tag team. They didn't need this anchor yeah. weighing them down. Uh, as Savio takes so, so Savio take the lead in the match, and this is what's brought Isaac Yankum, formerly known as, to the ring. Diesel leads to the DQ, and they start beating up Savio Vega. Kevin Kelly says Razor and Diesel are attacking Savio. Gorilla then gets on Kevin Kelly's case, who is not clued into what's happening. He's saying, why are you calling them Razor and Diesel? And Kevin just shouts, it's what my sheet says. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> God love him. He's just, trying to, he's just trying to do his damn job. Uh, <laughs> Razor's edge, jackknife to Savio Vega. JR promises there's more to come. No. Gorilla says, keep digging that hole. Eventually you'll bury yourself. Christ alive. <laughs> This there was a lot here. <laughs> this was far too long. <laughs> the, your recap of it is a hundred times more enjoyable than the actual match was. <laughs> <laughs> and the match was only enjoyable considering the absolute absolute bin fire, which was the commentary team <laughs> the four man booth. Four man booth and just JR like on the back foot with everybody. <laughs> Somebody could have come over and offered him a lovely cool iced tea and he had gone, shut up, that's Razor Ramon. I felt so bad for Razor Ramon. I don't know if it was just because he was a bit green or otherwise, but because I know he's got like tons of experience because he's been in FMW and he's been Rick Titan, um, but Savio wasn't landing crisp out of some of these moves. Like, I don't know if it was just they were a bit off. I don't know if he thought this sucks. I don't want anything to do with this. And kind of, you know, was just kind of not stinking up the joint, but thinking I'm not selling properly for this. But I was just watching him thinking, oh, mate, it's not going to get any better than this. And I felt a bit sad. They just seem to <laughs> lack chemistry. Like there yeah. wasn't that immediate chem- chemistry between them. I think they were hoping that it would just, it would be Razor and Diesel chemistry. But here's the thing. It's not Razor Ramon. It's a no. different guy. Who's who's lampooning Razor Ramon, cosplaying 
as Razor Ramon and, and, and having to therefore not think as himself, but think as another wrestler. Yeah. Which I imagine yeah. is quite difficult. Yeah, because obviously if you've wrestled in a certain style for years, things will be second nature. And if you're being told, right, you've got to ape someone else, it must be hard to try and unlearn some of what's become instinctive to you as well. Having to think about each step you take and how you take it and, mm-hmm. and all of that. Uh, but anyway, we'll see more of that in the weeks to come. Back to the cemetery plot a week ago. Undertaker is with a shovel and he says, Paul Bearer, I knew you'd come. I was, I, I went, oh, oh. To <laughs> <laughs> my hardy shit. He tells mankind, your wish is my command. I will dig your grave and I will bury you alive. I like these little short, sharp bursts of promo. You don't need a lot. No, not at all. Considering the past between Taker and uh, Bearer, Taker and Mankind, etc. Yeah, you just need little bits to remind people this is coming off. Mm -hmm. Um, A slight aside as well, because obviously we're leading up to In Your House, Buried Alive, and the main event is going to be a Buried Alive match. Uh, Dave talks about it in The Observer saying that it looks like it's going to be the first time in ages where Shawn Michaels isn't headlining because he, he thinks the WF have been relying a little too much on him and they're thinking, right, let's let's have a pay-per-view where others are kind of like more to the force so and we can bring the rest of the card kind of up a bit. And on paper, yeah, I don't disagree with that. It's a good shout to give somebody yeah. else the, the shine and, and Undertaker of Mankind absolutely can do that. Mm. Uh, the main event is Shawn Michaels headlining. He is teaming with Jose Lothario to face Vader and Jim Cornette. We get a recap of Farouk and Mark Mera's IC title match as, the match as this one is getting underway, with Mera becoming the IC champ. They reveal that Farouk and Sonny have reportedly parted ways, as we talked about earlier, but we will get a rematch between Farouk and Mera at Buried Alive for the IC title. Be still my beating heart. Uh, next week, Psycho Sid faces Goldust. Similar promo to the ones we get with Goldust, where it's like, this man is really strong, but this guy, the mind, is this playground and gonna do a weird thing. He's tall, but he's creepy fucker. Wrestle next week. <laughs> like, that's all Goldust's things. Yeah. I'm saying this, that we're recording this the day after the uh, unfortunate passing of Adrian Street as well. We are indeed. Um, I, I went and watched the... Um, it's only a short one, isn't it? A 20-minute documentary about him on mm. uh, the WWE Network. And I love the fact that they did that when it came out. Everyone just saying, bloody hell, he, he took it to the next level and really ahead of the game. But there's so much of him in Goldust, definitely. Yeah. And yeah, we, we Adrian Street walked so Goldust could run. Mm. Do take. And it was just like watching those matches back. I watched a few. We did a little tribute thing on the podcast feed uh, to Adrian Street. And just the little things that he did that wound people up in that, you know, in a, in, in, in a time of, in a time of very straight laced men are men. And, you know, on the verge of like a gay panic type movement, Adrian street was fabulous because he had, it was, he had all this, he had all this pomp and, and flamboyance about him, but he was hard as fuck and he'd knock you out. And that makes him even more intimidating as a character. It's like, you know what? I, I put all this on, I dress like this. But I'm, oh, it's fucking hard. I'm gonna buy you. He's from, <laughs> like, he's from a Welsh mining town. Nails, uh, absolutely nails. You've got to be hard to walk into a Welsh mining town dressed like that. And believe me, he bloody well is. 
Oh, the, yeah. the, the the picture of him in the mine when he's in his full gear is incredible. And I was reading about the story behind it saying that um, when that was proposed with the photographer and apparently Adrian Street suggested it, said, no, we're going to the mine. We're getting my dad. Can't stand them. We're getting the mine. I hate them. And it's basically just like he clearly had that in his mind for a while as it like, I want this as a big fuck you, basically. <laughs> incredible. Amazing picture. It's and, and do, you know, just Google Adrian Street and that picture will immediately come up it's fantastic yeah. uh sean michael's grueling schedule took him to macy's for mtv's rock the vote he did a signing and flirted with some blonde women he even lifted one of them up the naughty boy they <laughs> emphasize quite greatly the the road schedule of sean michaels mm. um, uh, for, for for effect which we will get to uh, Vader beats up Sean very early on commentators are plugging the fact that vince mcmahon will be on live wire JR goes, that's a picture of Vince McMahon from America's Most Wanted. He is still on one. <laughs> I'm sure we'll, I will, we'll talk more about Vince on Livewire next week. Mm. Um, but yes, that's the thing that happened. Uh, Vader does a nonchalant overhead throw, which looks bloody impressive. Like he yeah. muscles Michaels over his heed. Uh, Sean fights back with a Hurricane Rana counter out of a powerbomb and a nice turnbuckle-aided attack as well. You don't see Shawn Michaels in many tag team environments, says JR, about one half of the fucking rockers. <laughs> Come on, Jim. It's terrible. He's having a night. Uh, Vader puts the boots in after throwing Shawn Michaels outside the ring. Cornette begs for the tag, and he eventually gets it. Starts shadow boxing with Vader, which allows Shawn to hot tag to Jose Lothario, and Super Sock gets into it. He batters Jim Cornette. Uh, and I, until Cornet eye gouges him and tags in Vader. It looks like Vader's going to destroy Jose Lothario, but Jose gets Irish whipped <laughs> into his own corner, so he tags Shawn Michaels. When, 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 tag, isn't it? When, when Vader tagged in, I just, I wrote it and I kind of like actually said it out loud. I was just like, yeah, kill him. I was just like, <laughs> oh, see Vader versus Jose Lothario. Sean misses a super kick but manages to get a two uh, onto Vader before the break uh, after the break well coming out of the break we get the PlayStation Slam of the Week with Crash Bandicoot Ooh. Bandicoot uh, Sid <laughs> it's Sid Choke slamming Marty Jannetty and Leaf Cassidy yeah uh, Marty Jannetty you don't see him in many tag team environments never, never. He's, he's, he's not known for it at all not known for it at all Vader goes for a Vader bomb as he comes back from the break, but decides to double up for a moonsault. Michaels powers up, though. Body slams Vader with the help from the ropes, which looks great. Sean avoids a cornet racket shot, goes for one more body slam, but his back gives out. Vader lands a stunning power bomb. Yeah. Then lands a Vader bomb for the three. Sean Michaels' schedule has caught up with him says JR, no, Vader fucking battered him. Let's yeah. not blame a, a meet and greet at Macy's on Shawn Michaels losing this match to Vader. Yeah, there, <laughs> there, there was a bit um, before it went to the slam of the week where after Sean goes to the super kick, he misses and Vader just absolutely plants him with just a stiff short clothesline and nearly takes off his head. And then JR probably went, oh, that's that work schedule again, tiring Sean out. Yeah, you big bastard. They're clearly they're setting up for something that is coming, aren't they? They're getting their they're getting their ducks in a row, as they say. Mm. Um, what did you think of this match? 
I thought it was fine. I thought it was one of the more entertaining matches of the evening. We've uh, yeah. we've been denied, you know, entertaining wrestling for the better part of tonight. Yeah. So this is the best part of the night for me. I thought they played the the, the non wrestler elements well with Cornet yeah. and Lothario doing a little bit, but not much. Uh, and uh, and Vader getting a pin on Sean, I think, is a big deal. Oh God, I yeah. Um, forget that though. I didn't even let you finish because we had a little bit after the bell, didn't we? We did. Vader goes for another power bomb. Uh, with um, but then Sid runs in to make the save to stop that from happening. Goldust comes in after that, and Sid is stood between Goldust and Vader, sort of willing them both on. Thankfully, Shawn Michaels recovers in time to wipe out Goldust, and then we've got a brawl between these four as Raw goes off the air. I, I love a good main event brawl as it crashes off it would see it a lot on this era especially with the nwo versus thing it's just it's exciting it makes you be like oh shit can't wait for next week mm. but uh yeah like you were saying a, a good match um especially because we've had you know a bit of dross this evening hbk made vader look good we've talked about you know in hindsight that he didn't really like working with him but he made him look good like you said he, he got his head taken off he took a it t- took a power bomb from vader on on Raw as well. Um, I think this was a... I don't know if I'm being a bit too kind because it's not been the best Raw. I I was saying, like, it's a mid-card in-your-house level match. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Um, that's a good shout. Yeah. Uh, According to The Observer as well, I can't remember if it was this week's or last week's Observer... The kind of potentially going for Sean versus Vader again. Apparently, Vader had been promised another title shot, but we know it'll uh, it'll go elsewhere. So, oh. well, we have a pay per view on the horizon called In Your House. It's time. Yeah. Um, it won't be time. No <laughs> spoiler. No. But it's um, it's yeah, it's it certainly looks like they're going to give one more go with Vader. This was the best match of the night overall. Raw gave us nothing. Uh, no protein on this particular chicken, but it gave us a lot of sugar hits on commentary. Sugary chicken. A lot of sugary, yeah. It's 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 it's, it's dirty deep fried sugary chicken uh, because there was no substance from any of the wrestling. But Jr. just being a belligerent arsehole on commentary was a deep joy for me. Yeah, it was. When I looked back on it, I was like, oh, that wasn't a great episode of Raw, but I didn't hate it. Um, and the setting up matches, the setting up feuds, the furthering feuds. Um, and this was a week without... They've gotten better in the last few weeks, I think, of with these multiple recordings of spreading their talent across it. So there was no... We had the Intercontinental titles last week. Um, did we have Davey, Davey and Owen last week? We did. But, but they went on this week. Obviously, we've only just seen Mankind and Taker in little vignettes. So they're getting better at eking the talent all over the place and... It works. And they're better at that than Nitro are, than WCW. Like, the one thing, and it's a weird consistency that I say to this day about WWE in comparison to AEW, is that the stories are very clear and easy to track. Like, if you miss a week, then you're filled in pretty much the following week what's happened. On the whole, not perfect, but on the whole. Yeah. Whereas, like, with WCW in 96 and with AEW in 2023... There's so many things happening at once that it's like if you miss a week, you're punished. Because mm-hmm. you're like, well, you missed a week. Well, seven things happened. Not going to tell you what they were. You've just got to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. So they could really do with streamlining a little. They can't, they can do it more now, could AEW, because 
there's more shows, but yeah, yeah but WWF, I think there's been a, that's a bit of a consistent thing with them. They've always been mm. good at streamlining. Um, hey, speaking of streamlining, uh-huh. what you got to plug, Jack? <laughs> um, I'll tell you, I'll be honest, I'll be honest. I'm recording this, I think I've had three and a half hours sleep. Um, that's a record, it's a record for me because we got back very late from London the night before, yeah, and uh, and and uh, wait, I'm Desperately waiting for daylight savings time to come around again because Pablo is scratching on my side of the bed at quarter to four every morning, going, Dad, oh, great morning. All the shit back. Can't you uh, just feed, feed him a little later? Like in the evening? Well, get, oh, so give him later tea. Yeah. That's a good shout. Mm. Yeah. Not just, not, just, not just a cromulent face. You aren't just a cromulent face. I'm going <laughs> to try feeding him later. That's yeah. a good. Why didn't I think of that? That's a great shout. If I it's because well you, you've only had three and a half hours sleep this That's month. True. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, are you anything you're working on that you're allowed to tell us about? No, no just the, the same old, same old. Um, obviously, by the time this is out, we'll be hurtling towards all in, and hopefully, I know what we're doing for it. Yeah. <laughs> if, if not, I'll just be there going. Boo! <laughs> Boo! Well, it's and yay! It's, and it's, in, it's in keeping the fact that you don't know what you're doing because at the time recording, AEW don't have a card. So yeah. if we get to, if, if by the time you're hearing this, they still haven't got a card, we're all in a lot of trouble. Yeah. I'm just going to go down to Wembley just to see Tony Khan just on the mic for four and a half hours, petrified. <laughs> Frantically scribbling. <laughs> QT Marshall, get out of here! <laughs> He's a good hand in the mid card. He's a good hand in the goddamn mid card. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a prediction here because this is going out uh, the uh, like a week just over a week away or whatever from All In. Jarrett versus Grado on the card. I'm putting it out there into the world. I'd like that. Jarrett versus Grado. Yeah. Do it, you cowards. Ooh. Make it main event. If that happened, do you think Tony Khan would pay for like a prayer? Because that would be. Incredible! I think he would. That'd I be think he would. I'll, 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 I'll be trying to, you know, keep my calm, keep my cool, and be like, right, better, you know, might be doing work while I'm doing it. I might just be watching it because we've done the work before and after. But I know for a fact I'll be trying to keep my composure. And if like a prayer hits, I'll be having me top off round <laughs> neck. It'll be out in the glass and all over again. Oh God! It'd be I'll get tased. They're like there he is, biscuit boy. <laughs> right, go bugger off. Go and, get and, and until we are next together, <laughs> he is at Biscuit Boy. I'm at Tom Campbell. Together at Carterholic. Don't forget to join us. Not a single bulldog joke in this sec- in this episode. Your money back guaranteed. Love you, bye. Oh, shit. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health 
Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Podcasts from. 